Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, July 6th. Woo! Has it been a busy past 24 hours at the year's third major? Day three at Wimbledon delivering oh so many exciting results for all of us tennis fans to enjoy. And of course, on today's show, what I want to do for you listeners as we plan on doing each and every day of this event is recapping all of the most pertinent results. What are the things coming out of day three you need to know as a tennis fan to feel fully up to date on everything that's happened at this 2023 Wimbledon. My goal here on today's podcast is to convey that information to all of you tennis fans, ensure you have the info you need to thoroughly enjoy the rest of the year's third major. That, of course, means running all of you listeners today through all the upsets, all the matches that went the distance, all the performances of the top seeds on day three. We'll break all of that down here on today's show. Of course, we also have a ton of other fun content for you all here at Cracked Rackets. We're going to be efficient with this podcast because we got more content to churn out, whether it be the interviews we've conducted here on the grounds at the Bloomfield Hills Challenger. It's such a pleasure for our Cracked Rackets team to be able to be here to shine a spotlight on this inaugural ATP Challenger event. And just look at the field. That'll tell you why we're excited to be here. Kane Nishikori, Steve Johnson, Dennis Kudla, our guy Makun Sasakumar. You've got plenty of players with college tennis ties. The Ethan Quinns, Cannon Kingsleys, just Alafia Ayani, Zeke Clarks of the world. Just a little bit of everything that, of course, we love here at Crack Rackets. And thus, it is such a pleasure for us to be able to be here on the ground. Such a pleasure for us to be able to break down all of this ATP Challenger action. We will have coverage of each and every day of the Bloomfield Hills Challenger available here on our Crack Rackets Mini Break podcast feed as well. I'll recap each day's singles play, maybe a few doubles thoughts floated in as well. Those podcasts will be 15, 20 minutes tops. But again, we want to keep you up to date on everything happening in the tennis world this week. I know we're all focused on what's going on at Wimbledon. That, of course, again, will be the focus here on this podcast. But if you're looking for additional content, we will have recaps of every day's play at the Bloomfield Hills Challenger. We've already gotten the chance to speak with so many of the players here on the grounds at Bloomfield Hills. Again, whether it be a Steve Johnson, a Dennis Kudla, a Tennis Sandgren, Lexi Galarno, Makun Sasakumar, all of our favorites. Omar Jasika, the former junior U.S. Open champ, who I've been a fan of since I was a teenager. Jasika and I are pretty close in age, so to finally have the chance to not only see him play in person, but to finally have the chance to speak with him, that was a personal highlight for me as well. Tons of fun content coming out of our time here at the Bloomfield Hills Challenger, or as it likes to be called, the Cranbrook Tennis Classic. If you've missed any of that content, you can find it all on our website, CrackRackets.com. Again, interviews available on our YouTube channel or on our Cracked Interviews podcast feed. There will be recaps moving forward each and every day here on the Mini Break podcast feed as well. But the reason you all clicked on this episode was not to hear me plug other Cracked Rackets content. The reason you clicked on it was to hear some thoughts on day number three at Wimbledon. Of course, the reason we're able to do that is because of the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products at the best prices. Again, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. But with that said, let's get into it. Let's talk day three at Wimbledon. I mean, let me do the math real quick. 7, 12, 
16, 16 plus 19 is 35, plus 2 more is 37, plus 17 more is 54, plus 2 more is 56. We had 56 singles matches completed on day number three of this event. Now, typically, again, you get 64 on day one, you get 64 on day two. Things are supposed to slow down as we get to day number three. Nope, that was not the case. As Of course, we had to play catch-up, given all the rain we saw on Tuesday that wiped out so much of day two's play. That said, again, we're going to jump around, not just the matches that were carried over and finished from day two on day number three. I want to talk about everything that happened across the board and Let's just go with what to me is always the most significant. Who were the top seeds that were upset on the day? There were three on the men's, uh, excuse me, three on the women's side, four on the men's side. Look, I don't know how shocking it is that Maria Sakari was knocked out, or at least I don't know how shocking it will be to the locked-in tennis fans' conscience that Maria Sakari was knocked out of another slam event early on in week number one. I mean, again, Maria Sakari, she's been a bastion, a pillar of consistency in both the right ways and the wrong ways. You know Maria Sakari over these past three years is going to find herself in six, seven quarterfinals across levels, not just, you know, two fifties, but she'll reach a quarterfinal of a 500. She'll reach a quarterfinal of a 1000 level event. Heck, she can typically get to one second week at a slam over the past couple of seasons, but it just feels like her big match struggles have been particularly amplified over the course of these past six months. And you know, after a disappointing early loss in her first grass court warm-up event to Alize Cornet, she makes a semifinal at grass court event number two, plays a disappointing semifinal match, knocked out there, but, you know, again, seemed to have found her footing, seemed to have found her rhythm heading into this Wimbledon, and after taking the first set six love over Marta Kostyuk, maybe you thought to yourself, all right, the physicality for Maria Sakari, it's all starting to work out for her. Maybe this can be the Wimbledon where she steadies the ship. She reminds everyone how she has managed to sustain a top 10 ranking for the majority of the past two and a half years. But no, instead of that, we got something I think many of us in the tennis intelligentsia, I like to refer to us as those who don't have anything better to do with our time than to watch tennis all day, every day. Um, I think a lot of us are, you know, how, I, how frequently have I had this conversation with David Kane on this podcast in particular or, you know, a Chris Otto whenever we talk about the high, uh, the high, the extraordinarily talented, excuse me, uh, talented young WTA players there are right now on tour. Anytime you have that conversation, Marta Kostyuk's name will, of course, be brought up here on a Cracked Rackets podcast and... Look, it's very easy to understand why so many people are so excited about the young Ukrainian. All you got to do is watch her play once, twice. I think you'll get it pretty quickly for Marta Kostyuk. It's very Andrescu-esque. That's always been the the comparison in my mind, the easiest, or perhaps, no, easiest is the right word, comp to make for people to, mainstream people to understand. It's just the abundance of athleticism the abundance of firepower, the ability to do a little bit of anything at any given moment, depending on what that moment calls for, that's the skill set 
Marta Kostyuk possesses. And look, Marta Kostyuk has been a part of our lives now, right? A couple of years, three, four years at the WTA Tour level. Certainly, if you're a scholar of junior tennis, you know the name Marta Kostyuk. You've known the name Marta Kostyuk even longer as Kostyuk was a top-ranked junior in the world and, again, has perennially been in that top-tier conversation amongst her peers throughout the course of her career. But, you know, outside of a second-week run to the French Open, what was that, 2021 I know she won her first title earlier this season as well, has been a top 40 player for the duration of this year. But we needed a signature win at a signature event because as as fun as her, her results have been, you know, as fun as we've seen quarterfinals, we've seen obviously a title run even this season. You need a signature victory at the big event for that mainstream breakthrough to beat a top 10 seed after dropping the first set six love. Quite frankly, that just that does not happen very frequently. And it was the totality of things Marta Kostyuk can do. That totality of things is what threw Maria Sakari off the off the spell. And I mean, look, Sakari had her chance, right? You, you, to win the first set, six love. It's six love, five all at that point. If you're Maria Sakari in your head, you're still thinking, yeah, I am the one in control of this match. But outside of first serve particularly first serve wide on the deuce side, first forehand inside out to that ad side court. Outside of that pattern specifically, man, when I watch Maria Sakari play, I just see a player right now who is wandering, who is wandering in the wild or searching for that plan A, searching. Well, I guess she knows plan A, but searching for plan B, searching for plan C, searching for what to do should the rally get to seven, eight, nine shots deep. Again, I think she has done, and I've, I've shown you the stats, seven out of the last eight years, Sakari's first serve win percentage has improved. Her hold percentage has improved as well. That is a direct testament to the improvements she's made with the serve, with the plus one forehand. But a willingness to, I've, I've made this critique before, in a match where you could tell Kostyuk, you know, was going blow for blow for her, with her in that second set and was matching her first strike prowess, was also doing a much better job of just anticipating where Sakari was going to go with their serve and the depth on the return of serve just kind of neutralized everything Sakari wanted to do with the first strike. You know, Maria Sakari's what? She turns 27 years old if she hasn't already at uh, some point this season. I, I just don't know how much longer there would be for her to develop a plan a, uh, plan B, to develop a plan C, to do all of those little things to, again, help accentuate what is clearly someone who has a very skilled first serve, a very skilled first forehand, has the physicality to play elite tennis in any given month of the season. But, I mean, you can just see the mental struggles. You could see after she lost that second set 7-5, just the lack of belief in her first strike, the lack of belief in that first forehand, the, dare I say, lack of a willingness to just, you know, again, go down swinging. No, she got a little tentative. She just started playing a few too many slices. And again, credit to Kostyuk, who stayed the course, who could do more things on court than Maria Sakari. That's why I continue to be enticed by Marta Kostyuk. It's just the totality of things she can do with her skill set. There are times when it's jaw-dropping on the floor, breathtaking. And, you know, again, for Mark Tukoschuk, this opens her draw wide open, right? If you have Sakari as your eighth seed, that is the seed in your section who has now been eliminated. It's a massive win for Marta Kostyuk in a year where she won her first title. This is probably the biggest victory of the season because, you know, again, 
hovering now top 35, top 30, and has shown that level via the eye tests all season long. Now she gets the breakthrough in to kind of confirm, no, I am right in the mix there with everyone else. Again, if you're soccer there's some soul-searching to be done. It's back to the drawing board a little bit over these next week and a half, two weeks before the North American hardcourt summer or wherever it is Maria Sakari is playing gets rocking and rolling. But again, if you're asking me, who does this loss tell me more about, Maria Sakari or Marta Kostyuk? I think I lean Marta Kostyuk because I've all, again, we have long been proponents of Marta Kostyuk here at Crack Rackets. Perhaps a mainstream first round top 10 seed, uh, victory over top 10 seed is the breakthrough others were looking for as well. But credit to Kostyuk. She's through in three uh, in three sets over the eighth seeded Sakri. Now your up, other upsets on the day. I did not see Stevanovic knocking off Pliskova, let alone two and three now. Look, Carolina Pliskova was just a little creaky. The first serve was not there, and when the first serve's not there, her ability to play first strike goes away as well. Stefanovic was the more physical of the players. Stefanovic was the one landing more first serves. Stefanovic was the one doing the majority of the dictating in a way Carolina Pliskova was just not able to assert herself yesterday. And so, again, all the credit in the world to to uh, to Carolina Pliskova. Uh, Stefanovic, excuse me, all the credit in the world, leave it in Westoff, but all the credit in the world to her. Carolina Pliskova, though, 6-2, the 18th seed, and what, 2021 Wimbledon finalist eliminated. She would have been a player. I mean, I certainly said, given the uncertainty surrounding this slam, why not a Pliskova, who at least has played 40-plus matches, 50-plus matches, I can be honest, on her career on grass courts, and again, has made a run to a slam final on this surface before Nevertheless, it's not to be, and perhaps it could have been foreshadowed given she just didn't have the best warm-up. And, you know, again, it, it feels like for Carolina Pliskova to hold her to the top 10 standard you might have held her to, I don't know, five, six years ago. That's absurd because that's not the stage of the career she is still in. That's not the stage of the career so many of her peers are now in either as so many young players have continued to climb up the rankings over these past half decade. But... Man, credit to Stefanovic. It was her Grand Slam main draw, I believe, debut. And in that debut, she or, or Wimbledon debut, she knocks out Karolina Pliskova, 6-2, 6-3. Heck of a victory, again, for Stefanovic. Was Pliskova truly a top-10 contender entering Wimbledon? To each their own, on my list, that answer would be no. So again, Pliskova knocked out. And then Victoria Tomova, 6-7, 6-3, 6-3 over Bernarda Pera. Honest to God, that sounds about right. Like, plus or minus two shots here or there. Again, Tomova's rock solid, but your seeds eliminated. Sakari, Pliskova, Para. The most significant, and it's why I spent the most time, is the Kostyuk victory because I, I, I think I'm not sure how much longer we'll be able to say the phrase Kostyuk upsets the seed as an unseeded player because she's hovering in that top 35 because her level is unequivocally top 30 good when she does play her best, and I just think more and more frequently she is comfortable playing her best. So, again, all the credit in the world uh, to Marta Kostyuk, to Stefanovic, to Tomova, each of them advancing with upset victories on the day on the women's side. On the men's side, look, there were a bunch of seeds who were down coming out of day two's results when those matches were suspended, so we knew things might get a little bit tricky no matter what for some of the men's seeds heading into day three. Well, as expected, things got a little tricky. And I will go a little bit quicker through my men's upsets as truth be told, I don't know how significant any of these are to the 30,000-foot view of this Wimbledon men's singles draw, but Borich has just been bad. 
I don't know how else to say it. And there is still a, uh, what's it called, that when you give someone a grace period. That's the term. There's still a grace period with Chorich. Now, you'd think maybe, given all the injuries he's had over the past year and how difficult, again, it is to make that transition back to grass courts. Now, I would point out, do you really deserve a grace period if you win a 1,000-level event last August and, you know, 10 months later? When was the last time Borna Chorch won a first round or won three matches, two, three matches consecutively in a tournament? It feels like it's been a while now, particularly at one of these high level events, but I mean still lose to Guido Pea on grass courts. I guess grass courts will never be Chorch's best surface given the physicality he plays with, given the length of that forehand backswing, but Man, it's not going to be the best. I, I mean, I guess Guido Pea has made a fourth round here, as surprising as that fourth round was in the past. But, yeah, I guess credit to Pea, man. 6-3, 7-5. Chorch takes sets three and four, but then Pea pulling away 6-1 in the fifth. I mean, it just goes back to show you, you cannot be trailing for two-plus hours and expect to have a sure shot, uh, a sure thing at winning the match. So, again, credit to Guido Pea. He pulls off the upset. Roman Safillin who, by the way, the only reason he wasn't in Roland Garros qualifying is because he forgot to submit his name into qualifying. He forgot to sign up for the event, a major faux pas, no doubt about it, for the Russian who is finally healthy and is finally playing top 100 tennis for 15 consecutive months for the first time really since he was 16, 17 years old. And I do think he was that good as a teenager before getting injured. But man, credit to Safilin. It was a. It was about... The best seed you could have hoped to have drawn in Roberto Bautista Agut. I know RBA traditionally has had some success on the grass courts, but RBA has only made two quarterfinals here in 2023. The 35-year-old still plays good tennis. It's not elite tennis. And if you can match his physicality as Safilin did so well, 7-5 in, th- in the fifth. I mean, credit to Romo. That's a really impressive win. It's the sort of win that, again, puts him in the perfect position to be top 100 to get into all the summer hardcore events. And again, what's the weakness for Safila? The guy's rock solid physically. Does he have the overwhelming weapon against elite competition? Maybe not. But he certainly was able to match the physicality of one of uh, of a top 25 physical guy, right, in an RBA in Safila, 7-5 in the fifth. He advances. You had Marton Fucevic, 6-4, 6-2, 6-4 over Talon Greekspor. You know I was all in on Greekspor after he wins his first seven matches of the grass court season. I thought his serve, his plus one, his willingness to move forward, the backhand slice, I thought it was all exceptional. And yet Fucevic is Fucevic. He's tall, he's ripped, his serve, his first step, his willingness to move forward, his size to beat you to the spot on this surface. He was just, I mean, again, some scholars are arguing that Greekspor and Fucevic sometimes are the same person, but straight up, Fucevic was just better. 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", he advances. And then, last but certainly not least, some of you might be accusing me here of bearing the lead. I mean, talk about a performance for Yuri Vesely. The lefty is just a grass court specialist. And look, he's a former world junior number one, 6'5". He's made, you know... He's earned multiple significant victories at Rolling, uh, at Wimbledon, excuse me, over the years. He just took it to Sebi Corda, 7-6-4-6-6-2-6-3. His first serve was locked. And more than anything else, what I thought he did so well, 
first serves to the seppi court a forehand. That meant T on the ad side of the court. It meant hitting flat wide on that do side to set up just the first forehand to the open court, make court a play more frequently on the full sprint. I mean, it was a perfectly executed grass court match. And I really was surprised Korda didn't get a better read on the return of serve as we progressed, especially after he won set number two. It just felt like, okay, now he's got the rhythm. Now he's got the look. He didn't. And look, I know Gil Gross came on this podcast. He had Seb Corda in his semifinals. I know a lot. Seppi Corda was the popular pick of, oh, I want to pick a non-top 10 seed to get to my semifinals. If you didn't pick a top 10 seed into a semifinal, I guarantee you 90% of those people tried to you know, present a tried to. I don't know why it gets so salty about these things, but there's nothing that makes me more upset than disingenuous trying to be interesting or disingenuous hot taking and, you know, again, hiding your take, couching it under the veneer of, like, it's 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 somehow a bold thing to say. Seppi Korda was one of the 10 best players in the world in the month of January. Seppi Korda looked really good on his way to that quarterfinal on the grass court where was that Queens Club a couple of weeks ago. It totally made sense from an eye test perspective, given the fact that Korda had also reached a fourth round at Wimbledon in his past. It made sense to predict Korda to make a break, you know, if healthy, to have a sort of breakout moment once again here at Wimbledon. But again, he just doesn't have a ton of match play under his belt here. We're in, what, it's July 5th that I'm recording this podcast. He still played fewer than 25 matches overall on the year. You know, the 23-year-old's still finding his rhythm. He's still finding his way, and this is just a brutal matchup. One of the few grass court veterans we have. If you're talking about grass court veterans, what's the list right now? Manorino, Vesley. Is there anyone else on the list in terms of grass court specialists, I suppose? Not veterans, grass court specialists. You want to say, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Timmy Van Reithoven? Okay, throw Tim Van Reithoven on the list. There's three grass court specialist right now, Manorino, Van Reithoven, and I'm putting Yuri Vesley on the list, the former world junior number one, the big serving lefty, seven six four six six two six three over Korda. Korda's forehand sprayed. He didn't serve well enough. He didn't return. He just could not get a read on the Yuri Vesley serve. And again, six foot five lefty on a grass court. That's where Vesley should have the most success in his career. He certainly did once again on Wednesday He's through in four sets, knocked out the 22nd seeded Korda again. Four seeds knocked out on the men's side. Chorich, RBA, Korda, Greek Spore on the day. With that said, I mentioned the word efficient. We got a lot of content here at Cracked Racket, so I want to be efficient with these Wimbledon daily recaps, of course. Rest assured, I do have some really fun guests planned for this weekend when my schedule starts to open up. We are going to go hard in bringing in guests on this podcast to help us analyze week two of Wimbledon as well. So I appreciate all of your patience. I appreciate your grace with the fact that these podcasts may not be perfectly timed. I believe Super Producer Daniel Westhoff's already asleep uh, here tonight as I'm recording, justifiably so. We're sitting in that hot 90-degree sun all day here at Bluefield Hills. When I say I am burnt to a crisp, I literally, like, there's just a a, a fume of, of burnt, like, Okay, mom earmuffs. Have you ever had a lighter in your hand and you like burn your you burn the hair? I mean, I have a lot of I got a lot of leg hair. I got a lot of arm hair, and so burning hair is not like 
it's not foreign to me because there's so much of it. If someone had a lighter, they'd always like to play a little prank and, you know, back in college and try to light some part of my knee hair on fire, which, by the way, was funny. I'd laugh every time. doesn't actually hurt because, again, it's just a little hair. It's just a little quick, ooh. Um, but you get used to that smell of burnt hair, and that smell is disgusting. And I am so sunburnt right now that I think my hair on my arms, on my legs is just burnt, and I smell like burnt hair right now. And all that is to say is, again, that Westoff's already asleep, that I'm going to be a little bit more efficient with my word choice here on these podcasts, at least while we're performing double media duty, two different events going on. Hopefully all of you listeners will understand that fact. That said, you don't want to hear about the smell of burnt hair. You want to hear about the three-set barn burners we had on the women's side yesterday. Let's rapid fire through them. Petra Kvitova. 646761 when she lost that second set to Jasmine Paolini I too allowed myself to think uh-oh is the big hitting Italian just did she find the recipe like is is her pace starting to throw Kvitova off is Kvitova just a little too loose in her footwork maneuvering in and out of the corners no Kvitova was fine Paulini couldn't keep up the pace and truthfully that's what should have been expected Kvitova who of course won Berlin a couple of weeks ago, or Eastbourne, whatever it was, six four six seven six one. I think it was Berlin. Uh, she advances uh, to the second round, so a little upset scare for a player who, yes, unequivocally was one of the top five favorites entering the day, uh, entering the event. Excuse me. Your other three setters, Mira and Driva, seven five and third over Wang Shiyu. If you're not buying the sixteen year olds, I like. If you're just not all in on the sixteen year old, what have you been watching? What's the case against? Mira Andreva at this point. She doesn't compete hard enough. False. Like, everything you'd want from an effort standpoint out of a teenager, she provides you. She doesn't, what, the backhand's not juicy enough down the line? Like, I disagree with you there. You don't quite love where she's at with her serve. I don't think you can do that either because she's a a teenager. She's 16 years old. Like, still can't play a full schedule of events. And so, yeah, Andreva. Still in, uh, all the way in, pushing in the chips. I'm going to say it for the first time. Everyone, hold your breath. If you're in the car, don't crash. I'm saying it. I'm ready to say it. It's coming out. Mira Andreva, are you holding on to something? Mira Andreva, not eliminated from the greatest of all time discussion yet. 16 years old. She's too good. Too good at 16. Can't eliminate her. Now, again. We all know this is a running bit here at Crack Rackets. Am I saying she's the greatest of all time? Absolutely not. Is she good enough that I'm starting to think, huh? Well, I saw it on clay courts. That ball, her ball rips through those. I've seen it on grass courts. Can still rip through that as well. She's got a really tough test against Krejcikova tomorrow. That one's going to be fascinating, but I'll tell you what. She gets through Krejcikova. Maybe some of you are going to be saying, Alex, you're absolutely right. Not eliminated from the GOAT discussion. So, again, Wang Shiyu, the tricky. Her ground stroke's a little bit bigger. I don't know if grass courts are always going to be the best surface for her. But, man, Mira Andreva threw in three sets. Your other three-set winners on the day, Blinkova, Korpats, Kirstea, five three-set matches from the— uh, excuse me, seven three-set matches from the women overall on the day. On the men's side, you had five, four—excuse uh, me, six— Five-set matches. We already talked about the Chorich RBA upsets in five sets. You had three seeds all getting through in five sets on the day as well. Start with a carryover from day number two. Where are you 
with Taylor Fritz right now? That's the question I'd ask each of you listeners to consider as we head into this, you know, rat race of or this jam-packed condensed area of Wimbledon because uh, of this Wimbledon schedule because you know again when I watch Taylor Fritz play by the way 6426467563 he survives emphasis on survives against Yannick Hoffman in round number 1 I don't know like the serve is the serve I think he, his ground strokes are exceptional. I think when he has time on his hands, the contact he's able to generate, the pace, the topspin, the angle, his ground strokes are technically flawless. He's clearly gifted with just one of those shoulders that are just blessed to be able to generate elite pace at all times. And if you're a longtime tennis player, you just know those people who have those shoulders. He is one of those guys with one of those shoulders. Hoffman pushed him. Hanfman with the serve and volley, the plus one, the willingness to move forward. And this is what I continue to worry about with Taylor Fritz. And this has not changed since we did our very first podcast on him all the way back in 2017. Is Taylor Fritz as good at tennis as humanly, physically possible without being an elite athlete? I do wonder if the answer to that question is yes. Because as much as Taylor Fritz has improved as a mover... As much as he has improved his mentality towards volleying, his willingness to move forward, his willingness to hit the approach and follow it into the net, he does not have elite touch. He will never be accused of being fleet of foot, even if, again, he has gotten faster. I think if it's a binary system, 1-0, he has elevated himself to one status, but he will never be an elite mover. And I just wonder, again, how high can the ceiling of, uh, uh, of a player be when the movement and all else isn't equal. And so now I'm going to be intimidated to give player reviews because Stevie Johnson's walking by and he knows more than I'll ever know. And he's a winner earlier today here at Bloomfield Hills. So again, I was talking about Taylor Fritz, who he knows well. That's why I had to whisper it in there. I, I was apologized. I was intimidated. Uh, but that's how you know I'm recording here at Bloomfield Hills. That was a fun moment for all of you. I I hope now all of you go back. Here's just a little fun moment in the podcast. Notice as I was reining in my Taylor Fritz sentence, how I started to wander in at the end. And I want you to know the exact moment when I wandered is when I made eye contact with Stevie J. And then he took one step closer, two step closer. And I was like, oh, no, he's coming this way. And look, if I said something objectionable, Stevie would be the very first person to say, Alex, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I will never forget when I walked into the City Open press room and Stevie goes, Alex, I'm going to answer your question but you better have a haircut the next time I see you. And I was like, Stevie, respect. I was like, that you care enough about my appearance to critique it? I think that makes us friends at this point, or if not friends, certainly peers. Anyways, look, I'm very fond of Taylor Fritz as a person. Uh, He's been far too kind with us at Cracked Rackets over the years, but I can't be biased towards that fact. And I'm sorry, but Taylor Fritz is limited athletically. Now, he is not limited from a tennis standpoint. This is a guy who, contact point, the ability to accelerate through the ball, he's got all those skills. But in the end, tennis is a game of movement, and I just don't know if he will ever have that movement to be elite of the elite in the three out of five set format. Still, had enough. Did enough. I'll tell you this. We did a lot of glass half empty there, glass half full. He is an elite competitor. And by that, I mean he doesn't wilter. He doesn't waver. He's always had that serve that he can find 30-40 or, you know, again, a 30-all spot, a big serve and a big moment to help get him out of a jam. That's what he got against Hanfman. Again, 6-3 in the third. He advances. And 
Look, now he's got Michael Emer, another tough test physically, albeit in a different way than Hanfman. You know, Emer going to make a million balls. Hanfman going to stretch, uh, put physical tests on you by stretching you to the outer third. Well done by Fritz. He advances in five. Your other winner on the day, uh, other five set winners on the day. How about Ben Shelton, six three in the fifth, first grass court win at, uh, excuse me, first win at Wimbledon for the thirty two seed. And look, he's just got the athleticism. He's got that big lefty serve. He's got the physicality. He's got the creativity. Always seems to get the fans on his side by the end of the match. All the credit in the world to Ben again, six three in the third. And then how about Dom Stricker, seven five in the fifth, uh, six three in the fifth. By the way, for for Shelton. By the way, Dom Stricker. Has a lot of Ben Shelton in him. Now, he's not as tall. It's not as evidently athletic. But, man, like, again, Stricker is a tennis player nerd's dream because you watch him make contact with the ball, how easy it is. And you just, if you played enough tennis in your life, you knew someone like that who the actual playing of the tennis, the taking the ball early on the rise, the, you know, moving the ball around the court, the side-to-side issues, just the feel and the, uh, the supernatural feel, whether it be on the drop shot, on the angle, on the volley, or just that ability to go Mach 5 at a moment's notice. Dom Stricker can do all of those things pretty darn well. And look, he's facing a guy, he beats a guy, Popper, in 7-5 in the third, who you know what you're going to get. First serve, first forehand. Stricker beat him straight up. First strike to first strike. And I know, uh, you know, last year my my hot take was as as much as people were on the Holger Runa bandwagon, they were going to really get on the Dom Stricker bandwagon as well. Now, that didn't happen. Runa, I suppose, lapped Dom Stricker from a junior development standpoint. But, man, I am still all the way in on Dom Stricker. 7-5 in the fifth. He knocks out Alex Popperin. Again, six five-set matches on the day. Seats go 3-2 and two overall in those five-setters. That said, let's rapid-fire through the rest of the results. And again, I'm hoping we're going to have a lot more time to talk about some of these top seeds. So apologies if I don't expand upon them too much here uh, on this show. We'll start on the women's side. I mean, look. Haddad Maya, who, by the way, was a three-set winner that I put in the wrong category. Great shot by me. I didn't learn anything particularly new in her three-set victory. I think this is going to be a tricky Wimbledon. You can just tell the two and a half years of what she's played about 200 matches in two and a half years. It just feels like it's added up. It feels like she starts her matches almost with dead legs so slow and then starts to work her way in. And look, by the end of the match, two hours, two and a half hours in, she's firing on all cylinders. But it does take a little bit more time now for her to get, or it just feels like it's taking a little time right now for her to get to that place still. She's a three-set winner. I mean, your other straight-set winners, Ostapanko, is looking the freaking part of top five contender. Reitman and could not hurt her. Ostapenko won that match one and two, and I believe under an hour. That was the definition of a beatdown. You know, some of the other players who looked the part, Krechikova two and five, Watson hung. British crowd got behind their hometown favorite, but again, Krechikova just a little too good. Vekic two and three. She overpowers Jung Shui. Ecat four and three over Emma Navarro. That's a brutal draw for both players. If Emma Navarro draws, I would say 20 of the 32 other seeds. I honestly think she gets through. This was one of the 12 she couldn't afford to, uh, to draw because Alexandrov is a top 10 contender in my mind. The line drive tennis she's capable of playing, it just works on this surface. 4-3 and three over Navarro. Potapova, 3-3 three and three over Neff. Collision course, Potapova, top 10, imminent. It's, it's happening in the next two years. It's just, use your eyes. She is the complete package. I don't like to admit this very frequently. Ideally, someone will 
tweet at him that I mentioned this, but I've always been jealous of David Kane's Anastasia Potapova love because he has been on the Anastasia Potapova beat since she was like 14, 15 years old, one of the top juniors in the world, and he's been preaching it to the choir. It took me too long to believe him. Now, it didn't take me as long as others, right? We were there last year when we saw her rip through a couple of summer events on clay, on hard courts, but... Man, is she good. 3-3 three and three over Neff. Just, uh, again, the ideal 2020s athlete you're looking for in the WTA Tour. Elite power, elite fluidity. Dare I say, 2020s Jessica Pagula. Like, Pagula with a little more. And I mean that in the most extraordinarily complimentary of ways. Pagula's a top-five player, and, and I think that's the sort of upside Potapova has. I am thoroughly embarrassed, and I said it in our Americans pod preview with Chris Otto, but... Madison Keys is now in top 10 contender territory at this Wimbledon. She wins a title last week. Now she gets a 0-3 win over Sonny Cartel, who knows how to work her way around a grass court. Welcome to top 10 contention, Madison Keys. We know the most dangerous thing is Madison Keys getting hot at a major, and she's got the serve to do some serious damage here at Wimbledon. Those were your rapid-fire seeds who won in straight sets. The rest of your straight set winners on the women's side Big names, big wins. Conteve continues her career, 4-4 four four over Stefanini. She'll play Boscova tomorrow. Again, she's retiring after this event due to just too many injuries, unfortunately, that are keeping her out. And so, oh, no. See, and now here comes Ethan Quinn. This happened with Stevie Johnson earlier. Uh, it's a little podcast action. you trying to give me a Wimbledon take? A Wimbledon pick, just Djokovic? Oh, Yannick Sinner from Ethan Quinn. That's what I like to hear. You had it out? That's what I like to hear. I will see you, my friend. All right, leave all of that in, folks. Again, that's the interactions we have here. And shout out to my guy, Ethan Quinn. He says Yannick Sinner is the guy to watch. And honestly, how Ethan Quinn plays, I kind of like the prediction. So, Wes, if we should leave that in, right? We're leaving that. He gave me the thumbs up. Leave the exchange in. Um, Yeah, see? If that's not proof I'm on the grounds recording, then I don't know what is. We had a Stevie Johnson moment. We have an Ethan Quinn moment. Does that make me cool? I don't think so, but yeah. (laughs) Westoff has informed me we're leaving it in, but under no circumstances does that make me cool. Anyways, sorry, distracted. Some of you listeners are like, who's Ethan Quinn again? Uh, Shout out to the NCAA champion, 4-4, Contevea winner, Bedosa 3-3, Sloan Stevens 2-3, Danielle Collins 4-4. Those are the four biggest names that don't have seeds, I would say, next to their names, and they all get straight set winners on the day. Now, the OG on grass courts, one of my favorites to hang out with, Madison Brangle. She's 3-1 and one over Irani, Alize Cornet, straight set winners. Your other straight set winners, Coach Oretto, Christian, Bai, uh, Bolter, Gracheva, I said Cornet, I believe, Alize, and then Kaya Yuvan, who... Listeners will know I always called Kaya Yuvan 90% Belinda Bencic. Just doesn't quite have that overwhelming power, but the way she takes the ball early on the rise, the flat pace, I think there's a place for her in the top 50 at some point. I know, uh, I believe it was Alex McPherson or someone at the WTA website recently wrote about uh, how she's responded to losing her father and just, again, how she's tried to refine her purpose and refine that spark, that joy in the game and it's a brilliantly written piece. I retweeted it on my crack dra- uh, on my Al Gruskin Twitter feed. Not on Threads yet. Not on Blue Ski. Not on any of the new social media things that are emerging. I'll get there eventually. But uh, certainly, again, I've been there with Kaya Yuvan, and 
you know, really impressed to see here, given everything that's going on off the court. 0-3 victory over Gas, uh, over excuse me, at Gasparian. Now, your other winners, and again, I said this from the start uh, in our first GSP Ace of the Day. Ika's my pick to win Wimbledon. She's just better at tennis than the rest of the field. Her tennis is best. Like it, it just when I watch her play on these grass courts, how similar it looks to how she looks on hard courts. It's the player on the women's side whose game from that surface to this surface reminds me most of how similar Djokovic's game looks when he's in between uh, the two different surfaces. And so, uh, again, all of the credit in the world uh, to Iga Sviantek, 2-0 over Sarah Saribas Tormo. That, my friends, was a beatdown. Shout out to Daria Kasatkina as well. Kasatkina 0-2 over Jody Barrage. Honestly, it's a really impressive win. I'm not going to lie. That's a job very well done uh, by the number 11 seed, who, again, doesn't have the most natural weapons, but uh, extraordinarily impressive. She gets through in straight sets and now gets to chill, right, given where the rest of the schedule is. She's sitting pretty for a day. She gets to rest when so many others don't. Credit to Kasakina. She advances in straight sets. Those are all your other results on the women's side. On the men's side, Arthur Ferry made it fun. He goes down to break 3-2, immediately breaks back. And if you've never seen the Stanford All-American play, no, is he, he's not the biggest, but his ability to take that ball early on the rise, hit his spots. Reminds me so much of Lexi Galarno, the former NC State All-American, current top 250 player in the world. And I think Ferry will get to the top 250 very quickly if indeed he does decide to turn pro this summer. Leveled things at 3-all. I mean, Medvedev's just better at everything. Seven five six four six three. Credit to Ferry. He served and volleyed. He was bold. He just didn't have quite enough juice to get over the finish line. So again, credit to Daniil Medvedev. Threw in straight sets. Holger Runa, 6-3-2 over Lofhagen. Another guy just quietly as good. He's just... Holger Runa's a tennis player. I'm not going to keep reiterating that point. You know that. As is Tommy Paul, 5-3-1. Shintaro Machizuki, who has brilliant hands. Just couldn't hurt him at all in this match, and so Tommy advances. Sarundolo threw in four sets. Nuno Borges, unfortunately, rolling his ankle. Looked like Nuno had Sarundolo on the ropes, but again, Borges rolling his ankle, just, it, you could tell it just, what the pop wasn't quite where it needed to be, because his feet weren't where they quite needed to be. Sarundolo threw in four sets. Shapovalov threw in four, lost the first set on Tuesday, comes out, wins three sets on Wednesday. I said it in our draw preview. His game should thrive on this surface. And look, he's due. He's been awful over the course of the past couple of weeks, over the course of the year. If it's ever going to happen, you feel like it's got to happen right now for him. Again, credit to uh, Denis Shapovalov, four-set winner overall to advance uh, to round number two. And then how about Grigor Dimitrov, straight-set win, dropped four total games. It's not too shabby uh, for the number 21 seed, looking awfully comfortable heading into round number two. And dare I say, maybe a little dark horseish as a player who could get to a second week. And I, I'm not entirely sure what his draw is at this exact moment, but his serve, his forehand, his slice is never more effective than on this surface. Why not for Grigor Dimitrov? And, uh, you know, in an era where outside of Djokovic, who knows, and Alcaraz, and according to Ethan Quinn, Yannick Sinner, and now you look at Sinner... Uh, We'll get to the center part a little bit later uh, as he earned a 5-1-2 in victory over Schwartzman. I mean, on grass courts, you take that one with a grain of salt, but uh, how many times, how many times do I have to say Yannick Sinner's a top-five contender? How many times do I have to say, I, I like to think I am the lead conductor of the center train. 5-1-2, and two, 
Yeah, again, he looked the part. Djokovic, by the way, 3-6-5. and five. Still not playing his best, but week one, all Novak Djokovic has to do as a slam is, is win. And then once he's at week two, we know that's when he starts to amp things up and how well he paces himself brilliantly. So those are all the seeds and how they did on day three. Rapid fire through the rest. Straight set winners. Manorino over Shevchenko. Geron over Delian. Mayat over Bonzi. And Lachechka 4-4-4 four, four, and four over Ulfner. Keep your eye on Yuri Lachechka. I think he plays Sarundalo tomorrow. His weapons, they should work on this surface. And again, Ulfner didn't have the forehand to hurt him. It was all Lachechka in this match. Four set winners. Rayanich, good to see him healthy. Playing better again. Laszlo Yura. Chris Eubanks, big serving his way to victory. Ilya Ivashka, Gregoire Bure. And then how about Alexandre Muller? Four sets over Arthur Rinder Kanesh. Disappointing loss for the former AM All American. That's a good win, though, for Muller. With that said, though, that'll do it for our coverage of day three at Wimbledon. Again, we will be back tomorrow with our recap of day number four. And of course, if you're looking for preview content of each and every day's play, all you got to do is check out each and every evening here on the East Coast. Our Great Shot podcast feed will have previews listing the must see matches of each and every day. We'll also, of course, have a few picks predictions for all of you in those podcasts so again preview content for Wimbledon the GSP feed is the place for you if you're looking for our interviews from the grounds here in Bloomfield Hills be sure to check out the cracked interviews podcast and of course be on the lookout here on the mini break for recaps of that Bloomfield Hills challenger as well a shout out as always to our super producer Daniel Westoff for the heck of an editing job he does day in day out making all this content possible shout out to him shout out as well to our friends at tennis point tennis dash point.com the promo code is CR50 with all of that said, for our fantastic super, for our fantastic super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host Alex Gruskin. You know what we say? That's the break, and we'll see you all later today. Thanks, everyone.